0: Think world.
1: This is Comics Catch-Up,
0: catch
1: where we read comics suggested by you, the listeners of War Rocket Apex, that we have missed. Oh, hey, bud. It's been a while.
2: Let's catch up. That's right, everybody. It's Comics Catch Up. This is the podcast, the spin off, the War Rocket Ajax podcast. I guess it's I guess it's a spin off of a spin off because it's a spin off of every story ever.
1: Yeah, it's a spin off of a spin off.
2: Yeah. This is we're getting deep into the extended Kaleidos Media universe. The KMEU. Yeah. K- <laughs> Uh, this is the podcast where uh, Matt Wilson, you just heard him, and I, Chris Sims, uh, we read comics that maybe we, maybe we uh, started and 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 just fell off of because we got busy with something else, uh, or we weren't recording the week that an issue came out, which is why I primarily fall off of things. True, uh, or maybe we just wanted to read Berserk instead, or maybe we just missed it because it w- came out before we were. Literate this episode. Boy, this is a comic that I don't know how we missed it.
1: I mean, I know how we missed it because, okay, on our last episode, we talked about the Shield series. Not Shield, Sword. Oh boy. The Sword series that Al Ewing wrote. I watched The
2: Marvels yesterday. Yes, Uh, which I very much enjoyed. Um, Like it's it it like in the same way that the Batman felt like it was like six issues of
0: comics.
2: (laughs) The Marvels really felt like it was like a like a six issue crossover between between Ms. Marvel, Captain Marvel, and uh, and Spectrum, who does not have her own book. So I guess maybe the Ultimates.
1: There's a Spectrum one shot. That's part of the crossover.
2: Yeah, there's uh, Spectrum Alpha and Spectrum Omega.
1: Yeah, it's it's like Juggernaut the Eighth Day. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly.
2: <laughs> uh, but yeah, there's a there's they introduce Saber in that one, and I like I couldn't figure that out because I was like, what, the the function of this organization is the same as S.W.O.R.D., the Sentient Worlds Observation and Response Directorate. So it would make more sense if they used that. But the, but instead, we
0: got, th- throw that one on the pile. S.W.O.R.D., I, shield, I, armor.
1: I can't explain why it's Saber. Okay. Because that's not the first appearance of Saber. Okay. Saber was in the second Spider-Man movie. The second MCU Spider-Man movie and WandaVision. And I think I I don't know if my timeline fits exactly right, but I think Saber debuted in the MCU before the Fox merger totally finished so they couldn't use sword yet
2: but but sword like cuz sword is
1: an excellent is an excellent thing yeah
0: but it's but it's not really
1: i i mean look i don't know who i don't know what the rights were to various things but that's the only reason i can devise that it's saber I, instead of sword.
2: I mean I guess sword originated in an X-Men comic. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, so, so we got we got sword, saber, shield, obviously, armor, yeah. the alternate right. reality, observation, uh observa- alternate reality, monitoring, observation and
0: response. Right. Uh and we have wand. Wand,
1: which is a division of Shield, which is a division of Shield, and uh, is that is that all of them? There are probably others, uh, but I I don't I can't think of them right now. Uh I just but I just uh,
2: I, there there's a lot going on, a lot going on with sure. these acronyms, and I fucking love it. Anyway, oh
1: go on. There's strike. Saying. There's strike. What's strike? The special tactical First, reserve for international key emergencies. That's from Captain Britain.
2: Oh well, okay, so, okay. So that's not that's not one of ours, though.
1: That's not one of ours. It's it's from Captain Britain. Yeah. It also it appears in some movies. So add strike to the pile, also. We'll add strike to the pile. Yeah. Okay, so, we read the sword series that Al Ewing wrote, and our response to that series was, it was pretty good, right? See, strike doesn't fit, because it's not
0: a equipment.
2: Weapon. Right. I like I like sword, shield, armor, wand, and saber, because those all follow up. There's a dagger, too, right?
1: Oh, there might be a dagger.
2: There's a dagger somewhere.
1: Well, there's I there's think- dagger from cloak and dagger, right? Oh, there is dag. There is dagger. There Apparently, is- it is a board game. <laughs> yeah, yep. Yeah. Our reaction to that sword mini series was not like ebullient praise, and I think we know our taste well enough to know that we you know we we were probably okay skipping that series the issue is the problem is that x-men red is a direct follow up to that sword series i don't think x-men red 1 through 10 which is what we read for this episode would have hit nearly as hard or at all if we hadn't read sword first but X-Men Red 1 through 10 which is a story even though that series still goes on is is still ongoing it's on issue 18 right now X-Men Red 1 through 10 fucking rips
0: it has like
2: three moments three distinct moments that I that I was like my longest yeah boy ever
1: <laughs> yeah. What there's one that got submitted to us for the Thursday Night Raw list that I think we are probably gonna have to revisit because now having read it in context I'm like, oh okay. <laughs> I get it now. <laughs> yeah. But there are a couple yeah. there are a couple of moments other moments in here there was one I texted you about that I'm still like I'm still flipping out over.
2: No it's that, so funny. that- it's moment fucking <laughs> rules. It's so it's good. It's
1: so fucking good.
2: I, uh, th- this is, this is a comic that like, you texted me about when you were re- reading it. I texted you when I got to that moment. Then I texted you again two issues later as I was reading it. And then I had a moment where like, I immediately, and Matt, you know exactly what I'm talking about. I had to immediately text uh, my former co-writer, Chad Bowers, and be like, Dog, have you read X-Men Red? And if not, can I send you this panel?
1: (laughs) (laughs) So here's here's what's up with X-Men Red. Last episode, we kind of made some predictions as to what this book would be. And we weren't entirely off the mark, but I was off the mark about one key element. It is... The book about the X Men on Mars. Specifically about Storm being the regent of Mars. And Araco. The Araco, right. And her sort of building a team around her and also dealing with the council who let's let's say. This is an understatement, but the council are definitely her frenemies. Yes. And that is a huge component of this book. I was also like, we're going to get away from Abigail Brand and S.H.I.E.L.D. X Men Red keeps Abigail Brand. I keep saying S.H.I.E.L.D. I mean Sword. It keeps Abigail Brand and Sword, but Abigail Brand is the villain of the series. She is no longer the viewpoint character. No. She she is fully the villain of the series, to the point where she states outright that sometimes you have to care enough to be the villain. That's a great fucking line. Yeah, She's so much more enjoyable, actually, as the villain in this book than I feel like she was in S.W.O.R.D., because... It's sort of hard to see from the viewpoint of a character who is a manipulator.
0: Does that make sense? Yeah, I, I, I get what you're saying. I don't necessarily like, agree
2: with that because I've read a lot of comics w- about Batman.
1: <laughs> I mean, I guess in a very real sense, Batman is a manipulator. That's true.
2: <laughs> but but he, he's like, like we've said before, like he very much has the like batman gives you the ocean's 11 reveal. Yeah. Uh when uh, of like I actually had a plan for this the whole time.
1: Yeah, I guess the difference is batman has a moral compass that you can set yourself to. Yeah. Ab- Abigail Brand is playing every side against the middle to achieve a goal. But but it's not really about morality. It's just about what she thinks is most beneficial. And so her goal here is to make the Sol system important in the galaxy slash universe. And to do that, she will cause as much chaos as she needs to, and as much damage and as much harm.
2: I really appreciate... Abigail Brand's, like, viewpoint and motivation in this, because I've always thought it was weird when like, aliens show up in Marvel Comics and they refer to Earth as, you know, a backwater, right? Like, oh, that backwards planet that's not as technologically advanced as us spacefaring civilizations. Because on one level, that's true, because it has to follow the fact that we do not have spaceships (laughs) in real life, and so if they're going to be relatable at all, then, yeah, like, the universe kind of has to mirror ours. Also, the Earth has the fucking Sorcerer Supreme of this dimension, the Phoenix, and has fought and beaten Galactus multiple times. True. So, the characterization of Earth as being weird and dangerous and not a part of this larger galactic community, and that's why everybody thinks it's a backwater. Because we don't have spaceships, but we did fucking beat Galactus. It's like like characterizing us as like the Sentinel Island of the the cosmos is, I think, a a good way to 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 go about it that doesn't like doesn't
1: you know, cause me to be like, well, hang on. Yeah, and and Abigail Brand's goal is to get rid of that, that idea, that stereotype, I guess, that Earth is some backwater that's not important, um, which is now the Sol system because it includes Araco too. But she doesn't care about Araco. She doesn't care about the X-Men. She doesn't care about Krakoa. She doesn't care about this like mutant society that's been built. She just wants to make the Sol System important. Storm is simply interested in like doing her job well. (laughs) You know, she wants to bring all the parties together on Araco, make Araco thrive. And have a worthwhile mutant society there. Um, Some new elements that get introduced in X-Men Red are Vulcan, who... Abigail Brand, from the start, he's Abigail Brand's pawn. We don't quite know that at the beginning, but it becomes more and more apparent as it goes that he's Abigail Brand's biggest pawn in all of this, because... He's losing his mind and fully embracing his status as emperor of the Shi'ar, and which he is not anymore. <laughs> no, but he he believes himself to still be. Yes, and he so Ab- so Brand is going to use him to create a rift within the Shi'ar Empire. And hopes that he's going to kill the real Empress uh, so he can retake his position. And so that's like a big like, culminating aspect of her plan, is that Vulcan's going to sow all this chaos within the Shi'ar Empire. There's also Sunspot, who in the first issue, we find out, I don't know if this was established before this, but certainly in the first issue of this, um he has a bar on Araco that he's been running. He's got these plans to like turn it into a thriving nightclub and like t- wants it to be really successful. And uh later we'll discover that his a disco. A disco, yes. Uh, later we will discover that he is way more invested and involved in Araco than we even thought because he's a he's a member of the the Araco version of the quiet council the 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 secret council that oversees everything that's happening there but doesn't actually get involved until they have to pretty cool reveal of, for sunspot um so i think those are the i mean there are other of course other characters who arrive and get involved but Vulcan and Sunspot, I think, are the big ones who get added to the mix in this book.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, well,
1: Magneto. Yeah, I mean, Magneto was around in Sword, but yeah, I feel like he's much more major here, though. So yeah, but he well, he joins the the Council of Araco. Uh, yeah, he does. Which yeah, <laughs> he joins the fuck out of the Council of Araco. That is my favorite part of the entire series. Uh, the Great Ring, yeah, the Great Ring. Uh, so, so there's a lot of politicking in this book, and I don't know if just like doing plot summary does it much good, or 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 serves it well uh, to just be like. Here's what this person is doing, but they're double-crossing this person and all all of that. So I'll just say what I think are some of the big elements of it. You, you say Magneto is a much bigger part of this book. He's the person we we're introduced to at the beginning of the series, where he arrives on Araco and builds uh, the Autumn Palace, which he calls a comfortable grave for me to die in.
2: Yeah, Magneto, Magneto's getting old.
1: Yeah. And he's kind of not seeing his place in mutant society anymore. Um, and he also meets the Fisher King, who ends up being a way more important character than he seems. Yeah, first.
2: Yeah, 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 you heard that right, everybody.
1: <laughs> <laughs> he also meets the Fisher King. That's right. He, who is an Araco native who is literally. Just like a great fisherman, uh, who who also ends up being a member of that quiet council alongside Sunspot.
2: Yeah, uh, the Fisher King, who is a uh, human, who is a native of Araco and is also maybe the king of Araco.
1: Yes, yes. A, a very soft-spoken and humble figure, the Fisher King. Yeah, there's the there's the the Great Ring on Araco. Abigail Brand wants to sort of subvert their authority, so she tries to create her own X Men team that will be the X Men of Araco, which has some of the six, but some others too. So like, but also they're not important. Just like the six wasn't important in Sword, they're not important.
2: <laughs> yeah the the only thing that like really matters about them is she tries to get Storm involved, and then Storm's like, no, no, I don't want to. Like, I'm not going to be part of your X Men on Arako. So Storm makes the Brotherhood. <laughs> Which is pretty fun, yeah. yeah. Uh, because because she's like, yeah. I mean, Abigail Brand was right, but like, you know, the, we we need somebody, but not in her pocket.
1: Right. The the ones who were who are consistent are Mentallo, who Brand had before, Manifold, who quits the team immediately, in a pretty baller move. Yeah, and Cable. Uh, who does not appreciate being used as a pawn uh, by Brand by the end of this. Uh, and then also, uh, WizKid is still around, but doesn't show up until late in the series. Um, yeah. But the others who are there are Frenzy and Random. Um, but it again, they don't matter all that much. They're just, yeah, they're created so that Storm can then approach uh, Magneto and be like, "Okay, they have a they have an X Men, so we got to be the Brotherhood." Uh, which is rad. It's Fun- very good. Oh, we do get a sense that Cable knows something weird is going on, even by the third issue, because he's secretly working. Well, Manifold is one of them, and uh, and also Thunderbird, uh, who, they got into a fake fight in the first issue. <laughs> they got into a fake fight that was also a real fight. But then Thunderbird was like, no, actually,
2: fuck you for real, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thunder, Thunderbolt went into business for himself, brother. <laughs> Backstage, he had a lot of heat. Cable's uh, like, real glass, cry about it.
1: So, in the third issue, the the Brotherhood gets together, and the Brotherhood, which includes uh, Sunspot and the Fisher King, along with Storm and Magneto, and they talk about whether one of them should take a seat on the Great Ring. And Magneto and Storm kind of agree, like, no, you better not, because you're not a native of Araco. And you can't be resurrected if you're a member of the Great Ring.
2: You can be resurrected, but you like if you're challenged and you lose your seat and die,
1: when you're resurrected, you still don't have the seat. But Magneto actually agrees to not be resurrected at all. Correct. Ever. Because, okay, Vulcan, who, again, is Abigail... Brand's pawn through all of this challenges Tarn the Uncaring to take his seat in the Great Ring.
2: Yeah, and Tarn is a guy who was like a, a member of Araco's previous uh, oppressive government,
1: and everybody fucking hates him because he's Storm, essentially a war criminal. <laughs> and Storm beat him for her seat in the Sword series.
2: Yeah, he's the guy who uh, turned Storm into a like monster, and then put her back after she fucking stabbed him.
1: And when Tarn and Vulcan fight, Vulcan is like, I'm so much more powerful than you. How dare you think you could face me and have any chance? And Tarn, like, I think he asks him what do you have, Tarn the Malformed? What do you have to match my fire? And his answer is just, face tentacles. And so he takes one of his like tentacles that's coming off of his head and grabs Vulcan's wrist, and then just breaks his arm. It's fucking funny, dude. Uh, well, first he punches him in the face, and then he breaks his arm. Vulcan has been talking about how he never died uh, throughout this. And Tarn is like, there's a first time for everything. And then he just beats Vulcan into the ground. Yeah, he fucking kills him. Yeah. And so, Tarn is like, anybody else want to challenge me? (laughs) And uh, Magneto shows up, and he says, yeah, me. And... Magneto uh,
2: shows up floating in his fucking classic ass red and purple Magneto costume. With his helmet floating beside him, looking baller as fuck.
1: As Magneto arrives, Sunspot, who is has been colluding with Magneto, is sitting next to Iska the Unbeaten, which is another member of the Great Ring, whose whole deal is she can never lose. Yeah, her mutant power is she never loses,
2: which is fascinating. Yeah. Uh, And I, there is, after reading these 10 issues, there is nothing I want more than Al Ewing to write Iska versus Squirrel Girl.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That would be the unstoppable force in the immovable object. Yeah.
2: Uh, And I I love the way that it's like, it's explained in here because like, Iska never votes on the council because whichever way she votes is going to win. right? And Iska... If she's in a fight, they don't, they never want her in a fight because if she turns on you in the middle of the fight, that side wins. And it's also like a, there's a very like causality relationship between her situation and her power. Uh, Cause like later we get her like talking about it a lot. It's like, oh yeah, like if the battle's not going my way, I just switch sides.
1: Right. It's the What's interesting about her is, she doesn't control her power. Her power controls her. Yeah, and everything else. <laughs> she makes every choice she makes on the basis of who's going to win. It's not like she chooses a side so that they will win. She chooses the side that she knows will win. That's going to win, yeah. Because she has to be on that side.
2: Yeah, so it's this it's, really cool relationship between like yeah, whatever like if I start a fight I'm going to win it. If you start a fight with me, I'm going to win it. But also
1: like I have to win it. Right. If a fight breaks out, if a fight breaks out and I have to choose a side, I have to it's not like I choose a side and they're automatically the winner. I have to choose a, the side I know is going to win.
2: Yeah. I'm on the winning side. yeah. And so it's this, it's a really cool, like, it's a very simple power, like, to, like, you know, for for the tagline, Iska the Unbeaten, you know, her power, she never loses. She can never lose. But it's, like, very thoughtfully played out in a way that I really, really enjoyed.
1: So at the start of Magneto's fight with Tarn, Sunspot just turns to Iska and says, I bet you Tarn wins.
0: By doing that, he has set the
1: terms of a bet. Yes. And he has made it so that Iska is on the side where Magneto wins, and she can't lose. Yep. So Iska, knowing what just happened... Gets up and grabs Sunspot by the throat and just starts choking him out, and then she just she just kills him. She breaks his neck. Yeah, and she's like, "I can I've I've fought beside Tarn for a thousand years. It should not be like this. I can never lose." And meanwhile, Magneto's like, "Something weird's going on in the stands." Uh, anyway, do you accept my challenge, Tarn? And Tarn's like, "Yeah." And so, okay, Magneto- so
2: so Sunspot saying yeah, I bet you Tarn wins, is raw-ass moment number one.
1: That's raw moment number one, yeah.
2: Which is fucking rad, because again, it's such a cool way of manipulating that person's powers. Yes. And it's such a, like, such a great move. So that's raw-ass moment number one.
1: (laughs) Raw-ass moment number two is as soon as the fight starts, Magneto, like before it started, Magneto has his helmet hovering over Tarn's head. Yeah, and we all know Magneto's
2: helmet. That's the helmet that he wears so the Professor X can't fuck with his mind.
1: That's right. So as soon as Tarn agrees to the fight, Magneto just sends his helmet down right onto Tarn's head. And Tarn's like, what are you doing? And Magneto goes, I know how your powers work. Like, you shut off other people's powers, and it's like a psychokinetic thing. But with my helmet on, you can't do that.
2: Yeah, my helmet blocks uh, mental powers from going in or coming out.
1: Also, my helmet is made out of metal. (laughs) Yeah. So he just crushes the helmet, and thus crushes Tarn's head.
2: As he is saying, and before he can get the words out, I yield.
1: Right, yes, Tarn is saying I yield, but he kills him anyway. <laughs> yeah, Tarn is getting ready to surrender,
2: and Magneto's like, nah, this guy ran concentration camps,
1: so uh, he says, fuck that guy. <laughs> he, says, he says, goodbye, Tarn. This blood on my hand, I accept. And I accept what c- comes with it. Magneto sits in the s- seat of loss. That page where he's saying Magneto sits in the seat of loss, and Tarn's like bloody hand is on the ground that's fucking raw that's so fucking raw that's it unbelievable
2: it doesn't like al Ewing never says explicitly like he never makes it explicit so it takes you a minute to realize like all the stuff they've been talking about like oh yeah tarn you know he he ran the the prisons he ran the fucking concentration camps <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Magneto fucking
1: kills that dude. <laughs> hey, Magneto rules, actually. Yeah. And and Tarn never comes back. I, d- I do think there's some kind of thing, like there's there's an Araco rule that if you sit on the council you cannot be resurrected.
2: It's it's not just for them. It's like a whole cultural thing. Cause they have this like this really cool thing. I really like the way that that all of the like you know post hoxbox uh I, I don't know what the name of the overarching publishing initiative was that you know it's so this is what our society is but we're making it so we have to explain it and it's all stuff that's like you know, you take for granted the the tenets and and mores of a society, uh but like everything is so has to be laid out in a very specific way. It's a very fantasy novel, very world building fantasy novel. Yeah. Um and so like there's this part where like the uh, a phrase that keeps coming up from the Iraqi uh is uh we're not afraid of a life that ends. So they don't they don't want to be resurrected the way that the mutants do like the the Krakoa mutants the earth mutants. Right. So they have this whole cultural thing where it's like no like it's not that we want to die we're just not afraid of being dead like none of us wanna come back. Right, which I think is like really cool.
1: The next issue is about sunspot being resurrected and Magneto taking his seat on the Great Ring and saying, "I do not fear a life that ends," and agreeing to die yeah. and not be resurrected. Uh, I mean, there's more that happens in that issue, but we got to talk about the raw moments. <laughs> yeah, but um, also uh, we should talk about the art a bit because um, it's it's I think it's better than the art in Sword. Largely. Yeah, it's, uh it's a uh, Stefano Caselli. For most of it, yeah. Yeah. Um, there's some that is some fill-in artists, but uh, it is it is a lot of that. In issue five, so the midpoint of these first ten, after all this setup of the Araco government and way of life, Ewing knocks down the whole fucking – structure, knocks down the whole house of cards because the Judgment Day crossover is happening, the Avengers X-Men Eternals Judgment Day crossover. So the Eternals attack Araco. Uh Uranos is the attacker who comes to Araco. And like basically wipes out the
0: whole society. And Iska,
1: knowing that she has to be on the winning side, takes his side, which is a very interesting dynamic, yeah, he also rips out magneto's heart, yep, like and fully just punt like like
2: fucking fucking heart punches him like puts a hole in his chest, yes, and like. I like this comic, and I like comics in general. There's like other shit in there that you need.
1: <laughs> like Magneto got a big old fucking hole in his chest. That's right. But at the end of the issue, here's here's the, the next raw moment I was getting to. Yeah, boy. Magneto gets up and says, uh, this is war, a war we are losing. And so the seed of loss takes command, and he's just like using his powers to give himself a makeshift heart to move the uh,
2: the blood in his body because it's got iron in it to right. keep his blood flowing through his body with his magnetic powers. Yes and there's a whole thing about how uh Uranos has uh ha- like has one hour. To destroy Araco, and he gets it done in 20 minutes. Yep. And fucking kills like, everybody.
1: Like, he kills just about everybody that lives there, and just about the entire Great Ring. There are a few members of the Great Ring left, because he thinks they're dead, but they're not.
2: Yeah. The hour is over. So is 98% of all life in a 50-mile radius, Duranos leaves satisfied. He is supremely confident in his ability to bring death. In all the ages, he has never felt the need to check his work. In this, he is foolish. He yes. has spent the last hour on planet Arako. On Arako, you make sure. You always make sure. That's fucking cosmic-ass, Eternals-ass, Kingpin, working out and, and obsessing over the fact that they couldn't find Daredevil's body.
1: It, it, it actually strikes me as Kirby-like
2: boy it's it's hot is what it
1: is it's hot, yeah,
2: that's the one I texted you about the hour, oh and then that's the uh that's the last caption of the book, the hour of Magneto begins,
1: yeah <laughs> yeah. yeah man it's fucking dope it's fucking comics, dope. comics fucking rule dude, and so like from that point on because okay magneto doesn't have a heart he can't stay alive like this for long.
0: He just can't. Like he
1: can keep himself alive for a while. It, he's gotta stop eventually. Yeah. He can't maintain this. So in the next issue, while like what's left of Arako is fighting back. And and that's the issue where we find out about uh Sunspot and the Fisher King and uh who was who is the other member of the like that secret council? Uh it's The Night Seats. They're they're called the Night Seats.
2: It's the Fisher King's daughter? It's a couple of people that we don't really know much about. Like there's uh one woman
0: who can like turn to smoke and teleport. Yeah. yeah. Like she's kinda like Nightcrawler. Right, yeah.
1: Yeah. Um but but I she's just, you know. More than anything, she's just the third member of the, the night seats. Uh, several new ca- kind of characters we haven't seen a ton of become important here, like uh, Lodos Logos. He's the guy that uh, spoke the knife
2: into existence back in Sword when Storm first got on the council.
1: Yes, he was a member of the council, but not an especially important one until now. And he's one of the ones that survives. Yeah. Uh,. Along with, um, is it Xylo? Xylo, but Zylo's a, an insect
2: collective, so enough of them are destroyed that they're the keeper of history, but they can't remember anything now.
1: They've lost all the history that they knew, yeah.
2: Also, if you were wondering, hey, is this book for Chris and Matt? Yeah, Sunspot shows up in his fucking Grant Morrison clothes.
1: <laughs> he sure does. <laughs> he sure does. He puts he puts his fucking new X-Men jacket on. Yeah, boy. Yeah, he does. There are all these constructs that Uranos has brought to Araco to, like, finish the job. And, like, Magneto's having a hard time with just one of them. Mm-hmm. And, oh, yeah, Aura Serata is another member of the council that lives. Uh... By the way, oh Sizza. S Y Z Y A. She's the yeah. one who can turn into smoke, and yeah, she's the third member. That of one events. got me. I was like, Siza. Yeah. Um. Anyway, Uh. Aura Serrata is the like the watcher of the uh of the Great Ring. Yeah. But anyway, Magneto's having a hard time fighting this like giant ape-looking thing. So Storm shows up. And she says, a little known fact Magneto's mutant gift attunes to my own. Once I struck him with lightning. And he used that to empower himself at the expense of my life force. He took it from me then. Now I offer it freely. I feel his focus restored. An invisible heartbeat, near impossible to maintain, becomes effortless. My own heart skips. So they're like, so she's like holding Magneto at the chest. Putting lightning into his chest, giving him power. And uh, she, her caption says, in the broken land, such intimacy is reserved for the closest of lovers. And uh, she says, ready? And he goes, oh, yes. And she says, but we did not come to make love. We came to make war. And they fucked that gorilla up. Mm-hmm. And that, was, that got submitted for the raw list. And we were like, we don't know. Um. Now I know for sure. <laughs> yes. Yes.
2: I, the weird thing is, like, it's like the fifth most raw thing that happens in this fucking comic.
0: It's true.
1: Yeah. Uh,
2: but I do like that. Uh, Ewing. I haven't read. Uh, I haven't read like a lot of of teeny stuff. I haven't read like a lot, like a lot of the other stuff. But Ewing is really running with the idea of mutant circuits, uh-huh. like really playing with the idea of what mutants' powers can do in combination. And that was a big thing in in, you know, that they talked about a lot in Sword, because they mentioned like, oh yeah, like the most basic example of this fastball special. Right. But, you know, the five are a mutant circuit, the six were a mutant circuit. When Magneto and the guy who speaks metal start working together, it's a circuit. And now it's like Storm, in a very literal sense a circuit because it's electricity and magnetism. <laughs>
0: Turns him into an electromagneto. That's right. That shit owns.
1: I like it. The entire Araco society is, essentially gets wiped out in five and six. So then in seven, Magneto dies. And it's up to Storm and the remaining members of the council to figure out what to do. And, and at first, they got to figure out what to do with Iska, who betrayed them. Who you know fought against the the council, yeah? And Iska's like, if you stand against me, you lose.
0: Yeah, like what? Like what the fuck are you gonna do? Yeah. Cause, and, yeah, because I can't lose. Right.
2: And, and then this shit, this shit might be the rawest shit in the comic. Actually.
1: <laughs> yeah. Essentially, they make the argument to Iska. That dying is not losing for them. Because Arako was not afraid of dying. And and Iska's like, okay, then how do we settle this? And the Fisher King... Who who has no mutant powers. Right. He says, I challenge you to a contest of understanding, Iska. And the winner is the one who most truly understands the meaning of loss.
2: And that's when we get like a text page that's all about Iska's life, yes, over the past thousand years, and like the th- she- and the things that happened to her because she could never lose, which were losses. Yeah, she could never play with the other children right. because she would always win. She, uh, like when the when the demons came to Arako, she had to be on their side because they were going to win. And it's like, she understands
1: loss, which she has never experienced. But by winning, by winning, she has lost, she's made everyone hate her. Yeah. She's lost anyone who's ever been close to her.
2: And she's lost the person that she used to be. Yes. And like, it cuts back from the text page and it's like, she's fucking on her knees. And and is like, I'm leaving now. And she literally yeah. just like walks away.
1: <laughs> yeah, she she resigns from the Great Ring and she says, I am not of Aracco. I can never be. I can never lose. And a key element of being of Racco is loss.
2: Yeah. They're not afraid of a life that ends. Right. Yeah. That is. That shit owns. Again, that is maybe the rawest shit in the entire comic. Because that is like. Like. I challenge you to a battle where the winner is the one who understands Lost the most. That's fucking hard. Yeah. That's like oh that's that is on the level of Dr. Strange showing up and telling you that god and the devil are the same person.
1: It's pretty it yes, it it is it's a mind fuck for sure.
2: Yeah, and it's such a like and it's such a I it's it's always like a little bit weird to compare like writers to another and say like oh this is so reminiscent of this. But like that's a very Grant Morrison-y idea. brackets complimentary
1: Yes, for sure. Um, so Storm also resigns her seat, the seat she had before, and gives it to Lotus, Lotus Lagos. It was the seat of All Around Us. Mm-hmm. And takes the seat of loss, because she has the most loss today. Yeah. Because uh, Magneto's dead. Then we get back into the sword stuff a little bit, because Abigail Brand died on Araco. Yeah. And she's been resurrected and you know had a an upload of her memories sent back to her but it's been 6 days she lost 6 days like the the uh, the uh, backup was 6 days old so she has all these notes to remember what happened in those 6 days and cable and wizkid intercept it so now cable knows everything that abigail brand has been up to and that last page is just Cable look, looking like he's ready to tear someone to pieces.
2: Yeah, and, and chit a gigantic gun.
1: Yes, um, it's it's fucking good. So the next issue is Cable getting everybody together to be like, "Hey, this is what Abigail Brand has been up to." Like we all kind of, we knew she was kind of up to something, but this is what she's actually been up to. Like, here's ho- all her notes about how she's just going to blow everything up to try to uh, make the Saul system better. Uh, and there's a text page in here that is t- above top secret, beyond eyes only, that is all of her plans. Mm mm-hmm. Where, like, it's everything she did in Sword to take over. Uh, t- Orcus, like, from Gyrick, from Henry Peter Gyrick. And to seize opportunities through X of Swords or Cross of Swords, Empire, all of those things that happened, how she, like, made Snark War, or didn't make Snark War happen, but used that and the Null incursion to her advantage. Um, Then she's gonna trigger Crisis, which is Where she's going to use Vulcan to create all this discord within the Shi'ar Empire. And then finally, it's crisis becomes advantage. And I'll just read this whole portion Guilt the X Men. They accepted Vulcan, they're responsible. They'll be frontline soldiers and mediators when the Shi'ar enter the Iraq, with with the Shi'ar. Either the Iraqi fall in line as well. Or can coerce the X-Men into forcing them back to Omnith, leaving Mars as a pure diplomatic world, S.W.O.R.D.'s first global station. The new S.W.O.R.D. takes the role of S.H.I.E.L.D., a global defense agency, absorbing Orcus in the process. Then we approach Fury's contact list, the Avengers, the F.F., anyone who can pull the Kree and the Skulls. Uh, Our role is the voice of reason, forcing two sides to the negotiating table, the carrot and the stick in one. It'll take time, but when the dust settles, Sword and Saul will be everything they were always meant to be. Like, and then it shows her saying "check and mate" because she's been playing chess. Mm-hmm. And like the reveal of her, like thinking everything that has happened up to this point, good and good and bad, has been good for her, is pretty pretty great. Yes. Yeah. Uh. The next issue, issue nine, Vulcan gets revived, and yep. or well, he's he's already been revived because he's shown up. That, that's a flashback to him. He being shows
2: up to kill Xandra, the Empress of
1: the Shi'ar, who is Professor X's daughter. Right, and everybody tries to stop him, including Nova, but you know he's he's fully on the warpath. And this is when uh, Abigail Brand says, somebody's got to care enough to be the bad guy, which is choice dialogue. Absolutely great. Very, very good. Meanwhile, the Cable and his team are off fighting, uh, what is it, Orbis Stellaris?
2: Yeah, so they've gone to go look for Orbis Stellaris,
0: who we know is from Earth, but is an intergalactic arms dealer. Right, yeah. Yeah. Uh,
1: but then, in another fucking baller raw moment, it's revealed that um, Zandra, the Zandra who is at this meeting that Vulcan has interrupted, is not Zandra.
2: Yeah, because uh, Vulcan like shoots all of his uh, fire at the throne to kill Zandra. And that's when Abigail Brand is like, you know, G- Game of Thrones, episode one, don't look away. What we do, we have to look at. That's the price we pay for. Oh, no. <laughs> because it is that is when it is revealed that it wasn't Xandra. It was using an image inducer, Sunspot, who just
0: fucking absorbs all that shit.
1: Yep. Yep. And then we get a text page that is Sunspot's big plan. Where he's like, I know every he's basically saying, I know everything that Abigail Brand is up to. Yeah man. And and how he is has been posing as Xandra using an image inducer. Uh and he
0: also says no secrets in a hot tub. That's true. Yep. So Vulcan's like, oh man, fuck this
2: (laughs) and goes to find Xandra goes to the Autumn Palace, where uh, Storm is waiting. And Storm's like, Hey, what
0: the fuck is up, dog? You want (laughs) to (laughs) go?
1: And then they proceed to destroy the Autumn Palace.
2: (laughs) Yeah. They just fucking throw down. Yeah. Meanwhile... Back at Orbis Stellaris. Now we didn't mention this, but back at the beginning of the series, Cable was killed and resurrected because yeah. uh, these uh, progenitors uh, showed up and ripped the technoorganic virus out of his body. Right. Um, and then he, when he went back, he goes to to them, and they've got his technoorganic virus on display, and he's like, "Yeah." That's, like, the way they get to this, to Orbis Delaris's secret headquarters, is he tells Manifold, Hey, uh, there's only two places where this particular strain of techno-organic virus from the fucking future can be found. It's my arm and the secret headquarters of Orbis Delaris. Can you just take us there real quick? And he does. And then we get my favorite moment in the entire fucking comic. Cause Matt, you know I love this.
0: <laughs>
2: you yeah. know I love the original version of this.
1: He he bursts he breaks the the display case that the Techno-Organic virus is in and says, That's right, come to daddy.
2: <laughs> and then we get a recreation of one of my all time favorite panels, which is a Greg Capullo panel from X Force where Cable's getting ready to go fight Strife. And if you if you know Cable and Strife, you'll get it. But we cut to Cable, who has fashioned fucking giant 90s-ass armor and guns out of the techno-organic virus yes. that he's controlling with his telekinesis. And uh, this whole time, Orbis Stellaris, we know there's a guy in this geodesic orb, right? Right. And Cable says, let's crack open that shell and talk, Orbis man to man, and quite literally, face to face. It's a callback to one panel that I. that, that like.
0: is such a. like. It's an obscure thing that I love. It's very rewarding
2: to find out that Al Ewing also thinks that shit's hilarious.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty good.
2: It is such a fucking... It is such an obscure callback it fucking owns.
1: So he punches Orbis Stolaris, like Basically, they, they fight Orbis Solaris until it appears to be dead. Meanwhile, it's revealed that, one, Mintalo has been working against Abigail Brand at least for some amount of time. Oh, uh, this
2: min- kid, by the way, is now a quadruple agent.
1: That's right, yes. Uh, but Mintalo is now a double agent, too, uh, who has been working with Sunspot and the rest. And so Abigail Brand, knowing that she's got teleports out to somewhere very secret where uh, the Fisher King is just hanging out. Mm-hmm. And that's that's where we leave Abigail. Uh, but meanwhile, Vulcan and Storm are having a Dragon Ball fight. A
2: full-ass fucking Planet Namek Dragon Ball fight. I almost, well, like, when Storm started talking about being uh, an Omega level mutant, I, I thought for a second she was going to be like, but this is Omega level two.
1: There's a there's a panel of them just like across from each other. That is the most dragon some of the most Dragon Ball shit I've ever seen in a Marvel comic. Yes, it's, I'm it, into it too. Yeah.
2: So <laughs> um, so Vulcan is doing. I love that. Like everybody gets that Vulcan is just a guy who fucking sucks. Uh huh. Like you know from from Ed Brubaker on down bigger and uh, who 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 drew that series? That that wasn't Steve Epting, was it? I don't know. I don't uh, remember. But yeah, like he's a guy who sucks, and so he's doing all of his villain talk about uh, how much he sucks. Like you know, like I control the inferno, and Storm's like, yeah, but like you're not actually good at it. <laughs> yeah, but like you know. Like, you're an Omega-level mutant. Sweet. So am I.
1: Well, but but ultimately what it ends up being is yeah, you're extremely powerful, Vulcan, but the difference between you and me is I have friends. And you don't. And so they knock out his his powers just by like creating rain to rain down on him. And she's like, Swarm's like, I showed restraint. What you saw as weakness was my power. And also, here are my friends. Wrong slide. Uh, The mind that shapes the rock formed an underground chamber. Sobinar filled it with his endless ocean. And Lotus Logo shielded it with the lining of Mysterium. These are my equals. These are my people. And it's like, yeah, Vulcan, you fucked up by not having any friends.
2: Yeah. And so, and and... This is like the first time Mysterium has come back. Yeah, in, like he gets trapped in comics. He gets trapped in a suit of Mysterium. Yeah, they put him in like a sarcophagus, basically, and like, and if you had read these comics close enough together, you would be like, oh right, because they specify early on that uh, Mysterium conducts electricity but doesn't conduct heat at all. So Vulcan's trapped in there, and Storm's like, Damn, is he like. Or someone's like, Yeah, is he gonna. he gonna be able to get out of that? And Storm's like, No, because he's just gonna try and keep fucking throwing, <laughs> like, lava and shit at it. Like, right. she's like, Yeah, there's a way to get out. He ain't gonna figure it out.
0: Because <laughs> 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 he's a guy who sucks. Yep.
1: Yep. Uh, and then. Orbis, Del- who is Orbi- Stellaris is finally what? revealed and sets off the, the the story that's happening in X-Men Red now uh where it's uh Nathan Essex uh who's what was his what's his name?
2: Uh time out. Nathaniel Nathan Essex Mr. the original Mr. Sinister.
1: <laughs> yeah yeah, who's got a who's got a spade instead of a diamond on his head.
2: Yeah. Fucking hilarious.
1: <laughs> oh, what a good comic. All right, let's let's rank this. This this book fucking rules. No, this book owns. It's so good.
2: Yeah, like, it, it it it's good on like every level. Like the like the the very thoughtful stuff is really well done and uh, and interesting, and like the kind of philosophical stuff is really well done and interesting. And also, like there's Dragon Ball action and fucking callbacks to Greg Capullo's run on X Force.
1: What I really like about it is every character who who gets any kind of focus has a clear thought process and agenda that is their own. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like all every individual character or almost every individual character has their own thing that they're doing, their own goals, their own reasons for acting the way they act. And I I feel like that is not something you often get in team comics. You know yeah. what I mean? Like Ewing has thought so much about what every character wants, and they act based on those motivations and uh it's great as a result, <laughs> like yeah. like cable wants his what he wants, sunspot wants what he wants, Storm wants what she wants Abigail brand like we know f- very detailed reasons for why she wants to do what she wants to do like it's all here magneto wants what he wants like it's all here and i think that is like it is so much more complex and thought out and well reasoned than so many
0: like team superhero comics are yeah very much so
2: it's, it's uh, good. Like, it is, it is a well-crafted book that is also just, like, incredibly fun.
1: And, god damn, the, there are moments that are so unbelievably raw. The, the end of issue three got me.
2: Magneto rocking up to Tarn the Uncaring and fucking icing him. Yeah. Immediately, while he's trying, like, before he can officially surrender, because fuck that guy, and also the whole, like, yeah, I bet you he wins. Yeah, like, the combination of those things. It's so fucking good.
1: Ooh. It's Ooh. unbelievably good. <laughs> and, like, Isk immediate reaction to Sunspot making the bet.
0: Yeah. Because he rigs the game.
1: Yeah, because here's the it's thing. So Sunspot doesn't say, "Do you want to bet?" Yeah, he just bets. Oh, so Iska doesn't have a choice. Yeah,
0: mwah, mwah. It's truly excellent. Yeah. All right, get, get
1: help me out here. Like I'm inclined to break this very high. Uh,
2: like. I mean, you can hear us. We've been talking about this for a while. You can hear how delighted we are to talk about it. Yeah. Like, it's one of those ones where, like, you you read it and you're like, God, I fucking love comics. Because this could not happen anywhere else. Like, this is a Marvel-ass comic in the Marvel-ass universe doing Marvel comic shit,
1: and it's so good and And it's so dependent on the story that came before, you know yeah. like like I said, if we had not read Sword before we read this, would we have liked it, probably, but would we have gotten it all? no, yeah, like all the stuff
2: with the mysterium turning up and like just just knowing who Tarn is, knowing who Tarn the uncaring is, yeah, yeah which is not to say that it it doesn't do like a really good job of of explaining itself but it's good it's real yeah, good that's it's real good yeah uh how high are you thinking
1: i would i would i could easily put it with some of the stuff that's around number 150 <laughs> it's i mean it's pretty fucking good it's pretty fucking good. Like, G.I. Joe number 100 is at 154. That's a good comic. That's a good comic. But it's as good as Beta Ray, the Daniel Warren Johnson Beta Ray Bill, which we have at 155. I think you're right, yeah. I
2: I think it's as thoughtful and interesting a like portrayal of an alien culture as Alan Moore's Wildcats. Yeah, agreed. And And it's better drawn. Agreed.
1: <laughs> Sorry, I, I, Travis Share. Could you put it above G.I. Joe 100? Or I, is that...
2: I, no, sequel? because that is a comic where Doc Bright draws Cobra Commander kicking a puppy on page one.
1: Okay. So th- I think this is the new number 155. G.I. Joe 100 is a fucking perfect single issue. It's great. It is great, yes. Yeah. I think this is the new number 155, then. Yeah. All right. X-Men Red... Do we have a,
2: a like a story title for this?
1: Uh no, I it's it's got different title. I don't think it's got any one single title. Uh the first issue, the title of the first issue is Who Can Save the Red Planet? Which I guess could apply to all 10 issues. But I'm just calling it X-Men Run 1 through
0: 10. hearing that click clacking of me putting in all my information.
1: I do. I hear it.
0: And this was
2: what year this book was? 2022. 2022.
1: Yeah. Good ass comics, man. It doesn't fucking miss. It makes me want to catch up on the rest of the series. Like, I think I'm going to read 11 through 18.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I, I, I meant to mention this at some point. I accidentally read number 18 thinking it was number one. Uh huh. And I was like, this is a fucking wild way to start this book.
1: <laughs> I mean it's a pretty wild book anyway. Yeah.
0: Uh, uh, so but it was like I'll tell you what, number eighteen has some raw shit in it too.
1: I I'm I'm gonna I think I'm gonna catch up on X Men Red uh on my own because it's pretty fucking good. Uh, all right, this has been a long episode of Comics Catch-Up, because we had a lot to say about X-Men Red, numbers 1 through 10.
2: Very few things that you and I like more than talking about comics where some fucking really raw shit goes down.
1: Yeah. Uh, I don't think we have anything set currently for March, so let us know what we should read. Maybe we should read one of those fantasy comics that we talked about on the last every story ever special red Sonia perhaps
2: there is that uh that uh al ewing uh u.s avengers book that has squirrel girl and bobby de
1: in it i think we should get away from marvel for a bit i i'm i'm wondering if we should read gail simone red Sonia. all right because people have been saying that's good let us know if that's let us okay let us know listeners what you think we should read next uh you can email us at war at gmail dot com you can also uh hit us up on tumblr at dot uh we're on blue sky at warrocketajax.bsky.social. dot dot social and uh you can also hit us up on our discord um our discord is by invitation only so Ask us for an invitation to our Discord and we'll get you one. And you can talk to other War Rocket Ajax fans there and us as well. Well, me. I sometimes dip in. You sometimes dip in. But I find um, very stressful to hang out in there too terribly often. You can support this show as well as the weekly War Rocket Ajax show, the monthly Every Story Ever specials, Movie Fighters and Snack Situation by uh going to Patreon.com slash Ajax and kicking in as little as a dollar a month, I would strongly encourage you and invite you to do that. Um, so go check that out, see what rewards are there, and uh, help us out if you can. You you help keep the show going by doing that. If you want to find me and my stuff, go to mattdwilson.net. It's where you'll find links to my comics, my books, my other podcasts, and my social medias. Chris, where can people find you? Everybody can find me by going to
2: the-isb.com. That is my website, and it has links to all the things that I do. Really, though, it's this—you you you can find me here.
1: Uh, We'll be back in March with another comics catch up. In the meantime, thanks for listening, everybody.
0: Yeah,
2: thanks for listening, everybody, and uh, until next time, good catching up.